Okay, guys, hope you're doing well. Welcome to another episode of Triggered. Uh, obviously, uh, a great friend uh, is our guest tonight. I had to do this, I guess, two days ago, uh, simply because I was uh, this week uh, subjected to the uh, continued uh, persecution by uh, the Attorney General of the State of New York, where I did two days of testimony uh, in my father's uh, civil trial, you know, the usual idiots on social, oh my God, you're going to jail, you plead a fifth, it's a civil trial, and it's, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's basically attempted extortion uh, to try to penalize a, a political enemy. But at this point, anyone who's been watching this show uh, realizes this. I actually was sort of shocked. I got, like, good articles uh, from, like, the BBC and CNN, and, you know, I guess I had the courtroom laughing a little bit. Uh, and, you know, shockingly, shockingly, uh, the, <laughs> the prosecutors don't understand that maybe I would leave uh, accounting to accountants, you know, just like I don't know too many people that would leave, you know, surgery to themselves. They rely on surgeons and people who are trained in those fields. And that is it's a problem, I guess, for their case that that I would rely on people who are experts who are paid millions of dollars to be experts and the fact that I relied on them uh, I'm supposed to I guess overrule that I'm not a hundred percent sure uh, but I guess that's where we are um, no different than the other cases that you see whether it's Georgia or Florida or DC or whatever it is that you know another New York case with Alvin Bragg uh, you know it just it never ends uh, it never ends but, you know, we do what we do. We keep fighting. Um, try to have some fun in the process. It was, I saw one uh, article. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. unflappable. Oh, that's pretty solid. You know? <laughs> From BizPack Review. I'm not sure enough about that. But uh, I imagine most of the mainstream media coverage of me does not. Uh, let's just say they don't align with my values or my interests. But, you know, fires off jokes during civil fraud trial. Uh, you know, some of these things, honestly, are jokes. The real problem is if businesses in New York or elsewhere, perhaps, let's call it, you know, in, in blue states or blue areas, liberal areas, if a person is going to conduct business, and in, in our case, like, change the skyline of New York, and you can't rely on accountants. And I don't mean, like, I mean, a big four CPA firm who whose primary you know, principal who worked on our account probably spent more time in our offices than I did, right? I did a lot of our international deals. I spent a lot of time on the road. Like, if I can't rely on that person who's doing the tax returns for every license deal, for every management contract, for every, like, they have more intimate knowledge of the finances than I could times a thousand, and I'm not able to rely on them, but I'm still paying them millions of dollars, folks. It's a serious problem. I don't know how anyone could actually do business in New York if that was the case, if you're not able to rely on them, or if someone without those degrees and, you know, who isn't a CPA myself um, is supposed to somehow overrule uh, a CPA on matters of accounting, I think it creates a serious problem for business. And if that's the case and an overzealous attorney general would just decide which way to prosecute. Maybe, hey, I don't know, you didn't donate to my campaign. I think we're going to investigate you. I mean, this creates uh, a serious problem for anyone conducting uh, business in New York. Now, it's hard to believe uh, that this isn't, you know, common knowledge, that it's not talked about. Uh, there was actually a good article in the Wall Street Journal today about the implications of this for future business from a Columbia professor. So, you know, I imagine this person probably uh, can't stand Trump, but he understands or is not short-sighted enough to not understand that, hey, just because we want to get Trump doesn't mean this doesn't open up Pandora's box for anyone actually trying uh, to conduct uh, business. So, you know, that's the quick update, you know, did two hour, two days, I guess, of, you know, of testimony or, you know, half day yesterday, half day today, um, had some fun in the process. I think even the judge found me uh, perhaps a little bit amusing uh, on this thing. Um, 
and it will continue. And then they'll bring in my father next week. I'll probably have more commentary about that. I always got to be careful about what I say about my things because someone will say, you know, they'll, they'll say it anyway, right? I mean, I'm, I'm reading some of the, you know, the, the leftist rag paper. He perjured him. I'm like, what? Here we go again, right? Uh, I'm seeing all the genius uh, political commentators, uh, some of them actually misspelling perjury uh, in their tweets because everyone is now an expert on uh, civil fraud trials in New York State. Uh, just like everyone was an expert on constitutional law during impeachment one, and everyone was a uh, you know a virologist during COVID, and everyone you know it, everyone's an expert in uh, Ukraine right now and the Middle East and yada yada yada. So I just wanted to give you guys all uh, a little bit of that update before uh, you know we, we get to my friend Dana White and just have a have a fun conversation. So you know long days. It is what it is. Uh, I, yeah, I was actually surprised. CNN, while their reporting is 99% BS, uh, at least they put up a good picture of me. That's a win. <laughs> That's a win. So I think I put that on my Instagram account the other day. So, you know, if I think of more to actually talk about this, but it, it was a lot of mundane. Did you sign a document? Yes, I signed a document that was given to me, signed off by, you know, accounting inside, outside, uh, general counsels, like legal, yada, yada, yada. I believe it to be materially accurate like a hundred times over. I mean, that's basically the extent of what it was. And so, uh, of course I did. And of course I rely on those people to do that. And if we're not able to rely on people that are experts, uh, you're going to have a serious problem conducting business uh, anywhere. And especially if there's sort of selective persecution uh, of the people you just don't like, especially when you run campaigns about going after them prior to actually seeing any of the information. Don't forget, in this one, I... I was found guilty before I ever testified, just so we're clear. Um, it's kind of a big deal. Uh, you don't even get to, to speak your mind anymore. So, you know, that's what happens when you have overzealous, you know, prosecutors. Uh, we've seen a lot of that these days. Uh, this is not the first time. It's probably, you know, not the first decade in America this has happened, but it's the first time it's actually being fully exposed. So hopefully people understand how dangerous this is, how bad the slippery slope is. Uh, and they get it. And so, again, as I see uh, what happens with my brother's testimony and my father's testimony and my sister's testimony, you know, we'll talk more about it on the show probably next week, but literally just wanted to give you guys um, a quick update. But yeah, I was, I was shocked that some of the press, you know, even had you know, a, a courtroom of people who probably don't like me too much laughing a few times. So uh, maybe they'll laugh when they realize, you know, what a joke uh, this case is uh, from the attorney general. But Let's see what happens. So you guys are the best. Uh, stay tuned for the interview with Dana. I think you'll like it. Just a great guy. Built a great company. One of the few guys that's out there who will actually speak his mind, uh, whether we like it or not. Uh, I think that's so important. Wish I'd see that more in sports. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this interview. We'll have a lot of fun in the process. Uh, locals, I'll be tuning in uh, later on uh, to do that as soon as it's over. So I'll see you guys shortly. And uh, be good. Enjoy. Hey guys, and welcome to another huge episode of Triggered. And today's episode is extra special. We have UFC CEO Dana White, the man that literally made mixed martial arts. He's been an incredible success growing the sport of mixed martial arts. And as someone who isn't afraid to say what he believes and isn't afraid of cancel culture or any of the other madness that's destroying our country, sometimes seemingly on purpose. He's been an important voice in so many ways. He's done such an incredible job, really, growing the UFC. It's a remarkable success story. And Dana's business acumen is something we can all learn from. We can also learn from his grit, his perseverance, his unwillingness to back down to controversy and so many other things. This is gonna be an incredible interview. So make sure you're liking, you're sharing, you're subscribing, so you never miss one of these episodes especially. We need to keep getting the message out. People need to hear the truth and you're not gonna get that from the usual suspects. So it's really all of you who make this show possible along with some of our incredible sponsors. Okay, we've talked about it before, guys. We gotta support those who are sharing your values. Go check out Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. I keep saying it, we gotta support the companies who are actually supporting us. And I have a feeling 
I have a feeling you're going to have a cell phone in your pocket one way or the other. So do it with Patriot Mobile, where you put America first with every call while getting the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers. Patriot Mobile provides you dependable wireless service at an affordable price, putting your dollars into action and supporting freedom-loving values. They literally donate a portion of every dollar to support groups that fight for the First Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, which is going to be under a lot of attack these days, the sanctity of life, protecting our brave police and first responders, winning school board battles in their home districts and elsewhere. For free activation, go to patriotmobile.com slash trigger. That's fast, free activation at patriotmobile.com slash triggered. Check it out. You can fund them and have your money go back to work for the causes that you believe in, or you can do the opposite and woke corporate can take your hard-earned dollars and fund it for all the things that you can't stand. So the choice is clear, patriotmobile.com slash triggered. Also, check out one of our newest sponsors, Constitution Wealth, the Patriot's choice in wealth management. We all talk about the Patriot economy and shopping with businesses who actually support your values, but don't stop there. Stop investing your retirement funds in woke businesses. They're going to fail. They're not choosing the best. They're making decisions based on checking boxes, not who's going to invest your money wisely. So invest with companies who share your patriotic beliefs. And now more than ever, it's time to align your investments with your values. That means reducing investments in ESG and DEI, or D-I-E as I like to call it. Diversity, equity, and inclusion, far-left madness. It means fighting the culture war with your dollars and helping build the parallel economy by working with an investment firm comprised of professionals who are patriots just like you. At Constitution Wealth, you'll work with an advisor who shares your conservative patriotic values, and you'll be empowered to make financial decisions to protect you and your family without having to sacrifice your beliefs. So go to Constitution Wealth dot com slash don jr that's constitutionwealth.com slash d-o-n-j-r and sign up for a free consultation today that's it educate yourselves learn make sensible decisions but do that knowing that you're not going to be forced to go along with the woke nonsense that you see destroying so much of corporate america all right, guys, joining me now, uh, my good friend, uh, friend of our family's friend of the MAGA movement, UFC CEO, Dana White. So, Dana, thanks for joining us, first and foremost. Uh, you've done incredible things with the UFC. Uh, you bought it, really, when it was considered dead. Uh, you know, how did that deal come about? What was the growth strategy? How did you take something that basically no one else wanted to touch and turn it into a literally multi-billion dollar organization? And what I, what I think is probably the coolest and most dynamic sports, you know, professional sports league out there. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I was always involved in the boxing game since I was like 19 years old. And uh me and the Fertitta brothers both loved the sport of boxing. Lorenzo Frank and I started training in, in uh, jiu-jitsu. We fell in love with the sport. We uh, started to meet some of the athletes. We were blown away by, uh, you know, there was this big misconception about what a UFC fighter was back in uh, the late 90s. And yeah. as we started to meet some of these guys, you know, most of them were college educated. They all had great backstories and, on, on where they're from. And, uh, it just sort of happened. I, I started to manage some of these fighters and I got into a, a you know, a contract negotiation with Bob Meyerowitz, the old owner from New York. And he flipped out of me one day and said, you know what? There is no more money. I don't even know if I can put on another event. Wow. Hung up the phone. I called Lorenzo Fertitta and I said, I think the UFC's in trouble. I think uh, we could buy him and I think we should. Literally so, two months later, we, we bought it for two million bucks. I mean, that's a that's a pretty solid ROI. I mean, not without its blood, sweat and tears, obviously. But I, now I, I'm going to push back on some of the, the early fighters, because I think I remember being at I think it was UFC two uh, the first one you did in Atlantic City, whatever that was. And uh, I remember I was sitting there with my brother and Tank Abbott used his dentures to hold the seat next to us for his girlfriend. What is going on here? Uh, it was interesting. When we when we got involved, we're talking about guys like 
Chuck Liddell, Matt yeah. Hughes, Rich Franklin. You know, these were the were the guys that were were in it when when we bought the company. You know, you're talking uh, late 2000, early 2001 is when we bought it. But yeah, no, yeah, Tank was uh, Tank was a, a different human being. That's for sure. Some some of those guys were pretty special, uh, w- without question. You know, <laughs> growing up in Vegas, you know, this is you know Vegas today. People understand what it is, but back then it was you know very different. How you know what was your career like, and what were your aspirations in your younger moments that really allowed you to shape the skills to do that? I mean, you know, there there hasn't been uh, you know although it seems like maybe they're trying to do it with pickleball these days, but there hasn't been a a, a sports league that has grown so rapidly as, as what you were able to do. How did that come about? Yeah, well, I was very lucky because, you know, I, I bounced back and forth. My family was originally from, from Boston. So we, we bounced back and forth between uh, Vegas and, and, uh, and Boston. So I, I really got to experience the best of both worlds, East Coast and West Coast. And, uh, but when we bought the company here, I mean, Vegas, even though it wasn't a sports town because of gaming, you know, UNLV basketball was huge here. But at the end of the day, the real, um, you know, the the real hometown sport here was fighting. I mean, it was the fight capital of the world. All the big boxing matches were here. And uh, it, 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 it almost made sense for us to be based in Vegas, even though we were from Vegas. It, it, it made sense. So how did, how did you first meet my father? Uh, you know, were, were there parallels between, you know, what my father talks about in business and, you know, the art of the deal, so to speak, and, and your experience, you know, in business and growing the UFC? Well, what's kind of cool about your dad is that he saw the potential in this early. And, uh, you know, he reached out. We, first of all, when we bought the company. Venues didn't even want us, you know. Your father reached out. He cut a good deal with us for to go for us to go to the Trump Taj Mahal, and when we brought the first fight there, he showed up at the first prelim and he was there till the t- till the main event, uh, and he did it for both both events that that we did with him, and after that, as the UFC started to grow, your dad would literally reach out to me and say, "Wow, that's incredible! Look at what you guys have done!" and and he would always send all these. I'll give you. An, I, I met your dad this Saturday for breakfast. And I try to explain this to people, the type of friend that he has been to me. Um, and, and we met for breakfast on, on his plane here in Vegas when he landed. And the next day he calls me, you know, all the stuff this guy's got going on right now. Calls <laughs> they me want to says, put him in jail for a thousand years. So he's got some stuff on his plate, you know, minor details while running for president. I mean, he, he's the most resilient human being that I've ever met in my life. And you know, the, the, the stuff that kind of just rolls off him. But but this is the kind of friend he is. I mean, I, I met him, you know, we hung out, we talked. And uh, he calls me the next day and says, I just called to tell you, I, was, I can't stop thinking about it. You look great. You've lost weight. I don't know what you're doing, but you look good. He left me a voicemail. And he's like, you know, you look great. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. You look amazing. It was great to see you yesterday, whatever. And, and, and this is the kind of friend that this guy is to me. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's unexplainable. I love your father and, and he and I will be friends till the day we both pass. You know, how did that relationship grow? Because, uh, you know, I, I can also see sort of the conflicting, you know, personalities. I mean, you're actually far more similar than you are different. And sometimes that's, that's both good and bad, right? <laughs> that's very true. Um, but what happened was, is I just respect him so much, uh, you know, not only for what he's accomplished in his life and what he's done, but, uh, you know, the type of friend that he's been to me. Like I said, everything that ever happened to me, he would reach out. And uh, for instance, we, we got uh, the Fox deal. We did the Fox deal. It was a big story in, in the New York Times. And uh, he sent me the New York Times and he wrote on it. I always knew you were going to make it, Dana. Congratulations, da, 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 Donald Trump. You know, these kind of things that he would always do. Uh, yeah, let's be honest. My New Year's Eve incident last year, your father was one of the first people to pick up the phone and call me. And your father probably called me four times in two weeks to make sure that me and my wife and my family were okay. They're just the small things, yeah. but those are the big things. Those are, yeah. those are the things that matter. Um, and, and when your dad decided that he was gonna run for president, he called me and this is exactly what he said. He said, listen, if you don't want to do this, I completely understand, and there's no hard feelings. But if you would speak 
at the national at the Republican National Convention. Yeah. I would be honored if you would come speak with me. And everybody told me not to do it. Everybody yeah. told me not to do it. And I was like, you know what? This guy's been a great friend to me throughout the years. There's no way I'm not going to do it. Yeah, so well, then what, after I spoke what was that the- like? I mean, in 16 and 20, right? I mean, probably two different times. What was the backlash to that like? Because you, you did it, and that takes balls, and I think uh, you, know, you, you respect that. The other side, you know, you can, it, it's a lot easier, right? It, 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 it's not quite the same. But if you come out at the, you know, the Republican National Convention and speak, that's a, that's a ballsy move. Well, uh, I, like I said, I'm, I've been friends with your dad for a long time, and uh, I'm just a loyal guy like that, man. I, 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 I like your dad. I respect him. Why would I not speak for him? At, you know, and, and I think that for me to be able to stand up there and, and talk about your dad had nothing to do with politics. Yeah. Had nothing to do. I, I, I'm just I'm the guy that can that can talk about your dad's character. And I'll give you another example. You know, me and my wife went to the White House and we had dinner with him in his residence. And, uh, you know, he made my wife feel so comfortable. We sat and talked to him for a couple hours and we talked about everything from politics to movies to whatever it may be. But after I spoke at the at the convention, I mean, that's when our relationship really you know, we, we became super close after that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I love your dad and I, and I do anything for him. He's awesome. He's always been an incredible friend to me. And, uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things about him. I try to, I try to tell everybody I meet the, the guy you see on TV yeah. is not the guy that you talk to behind the scenes. Well, yeah, no, there's a lot of truth to that. I, I sometimes say sort of, you know, perhaps, you know, if there's a political weakness, it's actually he doesn't show the true empathetic side that he has. You know, I think his logic is, 100%. hey, how do you deal with Xi Jinping and nuclear war and all of this stuff if if they see that you're actually sensitive, if you actually give a shit about, the, the, you know, like you said, the little things that are actually the big things to a lot of people. I, you know, I can't tell you how many stories there. I'm like, you know, you should talk about it, not because it's a, a political win, but because it's actually who you are, but people don't see that. 100%. And uh, the other thing about your father is your father loves this country loves this yeah. country and is, is very passionate about uh, the United States and all the people who live here. Yeah. What, you know, what, what was really cool, you know, I, I saw it uh, with you and my dad in New York at Madison Square Garden, uh, you know, the welcome he received there. And I think you, you said to me something at the time, it was like, wow, I've actually, you know, you've been doing this a long time. Uh, you'd never seen anything like that. And that was, you know, in New York City. Uh, a couple of months ago, you had sort of UFC Miami, uh, and there was may, may have even been, uh, you know, more incredible. You know, what what kind of reception do you think someone like a Joe Biden would get coming into that arena? <laughs> um, yeah, n- not the same. I guarantee you that. Listen, our, our our fan base and our fighters and you know our sport, everybody is very aligned. A, a lot of like-minded people. And, uh, you know, you just see not only when your dad walks into the arena, but when um, the fighters step into the octagon and the yeah. respect that they that they pay to your father. So, um, yeah, no, the, 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 the sport is very aligned. Yeah, that was, that was sort of cool watching that, you know, guys, you know, just win a knockout. They jump over to the fence to be like, uh, you know, it, it, it's actually very cool. And it's interesting because. You know, like a lot of things, you know, there's some you know narrative with the fighters and they, you know, create a story about themselves. You know, Colby's done that really well, sort of embracing the MAGA thing. And then, you know, there's other guys that take the opposite approach. But it's interesting, you know, in in MMA, you know, how many of those guys who you think may be on the other side, you know, they DM me all the time and go back and forth and have conversations. You know, they're sort of the public persona, but there, there does seem to be a really inordinate amount of sort of conservatism in those fighters is that because they're they're in the ring on their own it's up to them to fight in the octagon uh and win i mean it just feels like it leads itself you know much more so than other sports leagues to to being sort of you know let's call it conservative yeah i I think uh i think where our fighters sit is exactly where i sit on the side of common sense uh you know I i think obviously they lean conservative but but it's a lot of common sense. Uh, 
you know, we're very pro-military. We're very pro-law enforcement. Um, you know, we love our country. You know, the list just goes on and on. That That's how we are all aligned. And not, not just, uh, you know, the fighters, but the fans and yeah. uh, my employees. So you, you'd mentioned sort of loyalty here. It, you know, how, how much do you value that loyalty and what role should loyalty play in business or these days even politics? Because it seems like, especially in politics, you know, that, the notion of loyalty is just at, out the window, but it, it seems to be a core tenant of both you and my father, frankly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough thing when you talk about loyalty. You know, it's, loyalty has to be a two-way street. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of the things that I've absolutely prided myself on in my life. It's like when we went through COVID, um, my big thing was I've had people who have worked here for me for 20 years. Yeah. We're going through the scariest time in, in, in our lifetime. You know, nobody really knew, uh, you know, yeah. were they going to die? Were they going to live? And and, and I, I just feel like at the time that that stuff was going on, you know, the, the business 101 move is to whack 40 percent of your staff. You know, you lay them off and you do that. It's just it's just not who I am. It's just not the way I'm built. There's no way I was going to lay off my employees during yeah. the scariest time of our life. And so the UFC is this big, massive ship, and we were either all going down together or not at all. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm very loyal when it comes to, you know, family and friends and employees and my fighters and, you know, everybody that I'm involved with, your father and many other friends of mine. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a tough. That was a tough time. I mean, I saw it. I mean, we were in hotels, right? I mean, it's like it could it get worse? Uh, you know, when there's travel bans and this, and you couldn't go anywhere. And I, you know, my brother and I, uh, you know, to try to ease some of that pain. I know, you know, during that time, we, we took no salary for basically that whole year. Uh, so that actually, we took no salary, not basically, but for the whole year, uh, just to be able to make sure that we could maintain as much of those teams. Because it's kind of hard when you have essentially no cash flow. Uh, coming in, because you're right, the, the move is to cut 40% of the stuff and we'll rehire uh, a year later. But some of these people, they've been around for so long. So yeah, you're right, it does have to be a two-way street. And so, you know, that kind of leading by example is a big deal. And and guess what? You find out who's who and what's what when the shit hits the fan. Everybody can talk about loyalty and everybody can say, oh, I'm this, I'm that. When, 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 yeah. when things really go down in your life, whether it's a pandemic, a New Year's Eve, incident uh, yeah. uh, you name it you find out who's who and what's what it's actually not a bad thing to have some of these things happen in your life so so you can learn from these things oh dude a hundred percent for me that was politics you know i'd see it like guys i'd known for 20 years they're literally texting me and they're they're saying you know hey you're doing a great job i love what you're saying about this i love that and then i see them on facebook and it's like they're trying to pick up chicks they're saying exactly the opposite because, you know, the woke soundbite and, the, uh, you know, it's misogynist. They're so terrible. here. I'm like, dude, you, like, you can't have it both ways. Like, you can't tell me that this, like, you know, so, and, and I don't care if you feel that way. I have friends that were liberal friends and they, they just disagree with me, but they'd say it to my face and they'd say it, whatever. It w and I'm fine. I'm more close with that person than I am to the guy that's bullshitting me. So for me, that whole, you know, 2015, 2016 political thing was actually really cathartic because it's like it cut my contact list in half. Like there's a group of people I never have to take their phone call again. It's fine. I don't have to even have the conversation with them. I just know they won't be there when it matters. And so why even bother? That's just another one of those, you know, fucking rubber chicken lunches that you have once a year that I, I have better things to do with my time. 100 percent. I couldn't agree with more. I, I don't judge people by their politics. This is America. You vote for whoever you want to vote for. You do whatever you want to do. Um, you know, and, and, and there's so many of those people that, that are like that out there. You know what I mean? If, oh, you support Trump? Kids kids that I went to high school with. That, yeah. uh, like, my sister was fighting with some of these idiots on Facebook. Like, <laughs> I can't believe we were friends with him when, when, when we grew up and all this, this other crazy shit. It's just... Uh, you're an absolute fucking lunatic if that's how you're judging people. Well, there's, there's unfortunately there's a lot of lunatics these days, but you know hopefully they'll wake up. You know, as we're on the brink of World War Three and you know the, all the other disasters that are looming, maybe they wake up and realize, you know, what, it wasn't so bad. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll take mean tweets and world peace any day. Well, one of the things that your father and Jared Kushner don't get enough credit for is what they did in the Middle East during their term. Um, yeah. You want to talk about they should they should have won a Nobel Peace Prize for what for what they did and, and the work that they got done in, in the Middle East back then. But let me tell you what, you, you, you know, 
you know you're in a bad place when 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 other countries are hoping that your father gets reelected again so that yeah. you know we can we, we can uh, uh you know restore peace and and some type of order here uh i can't believe we still have a year to go scary yeah. actually it is amazing how fast things can change. So you know, there's another guy who my father's been quite close to for a long time. And now you're in business with Vince McMahon. Right? Tell us yeah, you know, a right. little bit about your relationship with Vince, uh, you know, the WWE. You know, I, I've heard I've heard that it always wasn't a, you know, let's call it a positive relationship, though now you're seeming to, seemingly working together great. Well, it's been an interesting relationship with Vince McMahon. It's like, I never saw Vince as competition, but I, I think in Vince's, you know, in his heyday, he saw everybody as competition. And, yeah. you know, he was one of those guys who would just fucking stick it to me just to do it for, you know, for whatever reason. I, you know, we were about to do a deal with NBC and it ends up, we get to the one yard line and Vince has the final say who can go on USA Network and who can't. Uh, if you're a combat sport and wow. Lorenzo and I flew out to Connecticut, sat down with him and we're like, Hey, you know, uh, we're doing a deal with that. You know, we do all the small talk first. And we like, well, the reason we're here, we're doing a deal with NBC, you know, and Vince just sits back like Vince sits and, and you know how, how, how he is. And uh, I, we said, we're about to do this deal and we're going to, you know, have fights on, on NBC and everything else. And, but you need to sign off on it. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And we're like, <laughs> why? 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 Eh, I'm just not interested in it. I don't. I, I don't. I don't like the idea of you guys being on USA Network. So the whole deal blows up. At the end of the day, it all worked out better because we ended up on Fox, and yeah. you know we, we had a great relationship with Fox and Eric Shanks, and it was all great. But uh, yeah, no, I mean th that's just one of ten times I could tell you where Vince did it. Now, Vince and I, you know, we're we're we're, we're in business together, I guess, but. Vince couldn't be a better partner now. Now Vince is, you know, he, he's been an incredible partner, you know, literally keeps me in the loop on everything that's going on and, and uh, you know, making sure that I'm cool with decisions that might be made that might affect the UFC. It's just now it's like a complete flop and, and he couldn't be a better partner. That, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, I, I was going to ask, you know, what what's it like? working with him now that you're not competing with him, right? You know, because listen, I understand the business and hey, the, the guy is a shrewd guy, a smart guy. And I can, by the way, I, I'm just imagining that meeting because he is probably in character, even though he wasn't in character, right? Like just classic Vince well, McMahon. The, the thing for me is, you know, despite the past history with, with he and I, I respect killers, man. I love killers. I love guys that are, that, that are in the business, you know, from Michael Jordan to Vince McMahon to uh, Carl Icahn, I mean, you name it. If if you're a killer, yeah, I'm I'm a fan. So it's hard it's hard to uh, not respect Vince and, and and what he's accomplished and what he's built, and the fact that this guy at his age is still just a, 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 an absolute beast. No, that's that's interesting. Are there UFC fighters that you could see eventually sort of going into the WWE? I mean, it's you know obviously two very different games, but it, you, do you see that as a as an exit strategy, perhaps for some uh, some fighters now, rather than doing like you know the boxing thing and, or whatever it may be? Yeah, I think that you have to be a huge fan of WWE, like Ronda Rousey. Like Ronda fought over here in the UFC, but she was a total WWE geek. She loved it so. When she retired, it was always her dream to win this title and then go over and win a WWE title. So if yeah. you're that passionate about it and you're into it, you grew up loving it, yeah, I, I could see it happening all day long. Are there similarities between yourself, my father, and Vince that, you know, sort of are the ones that stand out other than perhaps that that whole, you know, notion of being a killer? Probably. Uh, probably. I, I uh, you know, I, I think that's why, um, you know, you're, you're, me and your dad talk, talk about that kind of stuff all the time, uh, you know, when we get together. You know, he'll call me up on a, on a uh, you know, on, on a Wednesday and start going, oh, man, that fight on Saturday was unbelievable. What, did you think this was going to go this way or that way? And you, you and I, you and I were getting off the plane one time. I, I don't remember where the hell we were. We might have been in Arizona or wherever. And you, you looked at me and you said, you know what? 
you're the only guy in the world that my dad can bro out with. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's so true. Because people don't understand his actual fight knowledge. Even I mean, going back to boxing, because you know, the Atlantic City was such a, a big part of that. Uh, you know, he really gets it. He's a he's a true fan, but I mean he knows the history and he knows the you know, backroom dealings and and all of that stuff. And it's not it didn't just end with boxing. I mean he's he's a super knowledgeable MMA guy as well. It's sort of surprising. He is. No, he is. He, he's awesome, man. I love him. I, but I, I, I didn't answer your question. I don't know the answer to the question. The similarities between me, Vince, and, and your dad. Um, I'm sure there are many, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to answer that question. So, what, Dana, what do you make of sort of the politicization of sports these days? We've seen it all over the place. I mean, major sports league, right? The NFL, the NBA with Roger Goodell and Adam Silver just literally just pushing like, you know, a DEI, you know, honestly, I'd say agenda, but it's really more propaganda. You know, should leagues lean into politics, you know, or, or stay away? The UFC is really different uh, in just really than all the other leagues in that it allows their athletes to say what they want. Not like, well, you can say the narrative, but you can't say anything contrary to the narrative. Look at what they did to Tim Tebow versus, you know, Colin Kaepernick or something like that. You know, ha has that ever caused you or the league problems? Has anyone ever come to you and said, hey, you need to shut your fighters up or, you know, perhaps even you need to shut up yourself? Yeah, listen, the media has had problems with it in the past, but I could give a shit. Uh, I stay as far away from politics. I try not to politicize the UFC. Me speaking with you here, me speaking with your father at, at the uh, Republican convention and things like that, this is my personal. Me personally, I, I'll post stuff sometimes on my personal social media. You never see any of this stuff in the UFC. We, do, we don't play any of these games. We don't do any of this this, this woke bullshit. Um, and I let the fighters be whoever they are. I don't tell them what to say. These people are from different parts of the world. These people have different points of views and, and different things going on in their lives. That's their personal business. Never ever do I try to stop my guys from saying anything or doing anything. Yeah. Um, you know, who they are is what I'm selling, okay? Yeah. And, and, and I don't ever interfere with who they are. So, but, you, but you've had advertisers as, as of recently, right, come to you and just say, hey, uh, it's not just the fighters, we, you know, we can't talk about it, but that you were getting too controversial. You need to stop talking politics. You're too pro-Trump. Is that, is that something you can talk about here? Uh, listen, I, I don't want to throw any sponsors under the bus, but my sponsors have actually been pretty good. My sponsors have been pretty good in, in dealing with it. Listen, when you, when you do a deal with me and the UFC, you know what you're getting. You, you, yeah. you know what you're signing up for. So um, in, in my life, in this period, in, in, my, in my life and in my career, I am only interested in, in doing business with people that I am aligned with. I don't want to I don't want uh, I, I, I to go through any of that bullshit uh, at this point in my career and my life. So, um, you know, right now, one of the one of the big hot topics is, is Anheuser-Busch. And Bud Light, you know, so so what would you want to explain about the deal, the thought process behind it? But, uh, you know, I don't think anyone I don't think you're going to have Dylan Mulvaney as a round card girl anytime soon, but they're giving you shit for it. Yeah, well, well, here's the thing. You know, if, if you look at Anheuser-Busch, one of the greatest American companies of all time. And, uh, you know, it, it's so ingrained in, in our, our youth growing up, like me, a big boxing guy. All the fights I ever remember was Budweiser, the king of beers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously multiple beer companies came to the table. Um, but if you really look at other beer companies, what, what do other beer companies really do for America? You know yeah. what I mean? And, you know, I, I get it. Everybody's mad at, at Bud for that whole thing. But, but here's the reality. At the end of the day, um, if you call yourself a patriot, right? Yeah. I'm a patriot and, and, you know, over $700 million goes to U.S. farmers for their crops to make the beer at Anheuser-Busch. 65,000 Americans are employed by Anheuser-Busch. Um, they do this thing uh, that I love called Fold of Honor. 
They donated $44 million for fallen soldiers and first responders' families. Um, every yeah. time a natural disaster happens, they shut down the plant and they turn it into a bottled water facility. They've done something like 100 million bottles of water for disaster. And if you keep going through and you look at the things that they've done, so what I do is I look at these companies now that I am aligned with, you know, companies that I'm aligned with. I am a big military guy. I'm very much into law enforcement and first responders. Um, obviously, uh, keeping uh, jobs in the United States for Americans. Mm -hmm. The list goes on and on and on. So yeah, when I, I look I at these other beer companies... Go ahead. Yeah, no, they, they, you're there. Listen, it's, it's a problem with all of uh, corporate America. I, you know, I, I hope Anheuser-Busch, they learn from that error. But like if you look at like, you know, Molson Coors, uh, you know, the places that they donate to, uh, it's it, it just it's a never ending list of insanity. Right. Molson Coors, they dumped millions upon millions into BLM, you know, pushing pushing that activism. Right. You saw the, uh, you know, Guinness, the parent company, I remember looking at it at the time and I'm like, all of these guys, I mean, it's sort of good that we're actually finally forcing corporate America to to actually think about conservatives, to not just appeal to sort of the woke left wing. And and as you said, I thought it was brilliant in your interview. I think I texted you about it the other day, which is like, of course, sponsorship is about you know the money. But but the other points you make, I think, are, are discounted uh, and, and people don't realize that it's just a disastrous problem in all of corporate America that I think we got to learn from. Uh, that these companies have to learn from. So they're not just funding one side, which has basically been what's happening all along. Uh, you're right. And, and I can tell you this from experience, you know, all you people out there, you patriots, you haven't dealt with anybody. You haven't dealt with any of these beer companies. You haven't dealt with any of these sponsors. I've dealt with them all. I am, and you are, you, the people watching, more aligned with Anheuser-Busch than anybody else. That I guarantee you. Yeah. Well, yeah, and canceling you, I mean, the backlash, when I'd be like, the backlash against Dana White, I'm like, wait a minute. It's sort of ridiculous in the sense that, like, you're literally the only explicitly anti-woke, you know, CEO, perhaps even CEO, I'm not going to say even in a sports league, right? When you, again, Roger Goodell with the NFL pushing, you know, insanity, uh, Silver over at the NBA. You know, we should want big corporations giving money to, uh, the UFC, who's giving Sean Strickland, you know, a platform to say whatever the fuck he is thinking. And let's just say, you know, he's probably not giving Dylan Mulvaney a, a, a positive platform. I mean, you know, that's perhaps the irony of all of this. When I saw it, you know, kind of going down, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, you're, you may be the only guy in that world, certainly the only guy in sports that's actually you know, calling this insanity out. And so when they're forced back into sort of appealing to your fan base, you know, that's to me a win. It's not just the cancellation and the, the continuation of that win coming in and actually having them give you a lot of money for the platform that you are saying that definitely leans incredibly, you know, let's call it to our side. I'm just telling you, I'm in the know. I deal with all this stuff on a daily basis. If you are consider yourself a patriot, you consider yourself an American, you love your country, and that's, you know, if that's your position and that's who you are, yeah. believe me when I tell you, you are you are aligned with Anheuser-Busch. That's all I can tell you. It's just, um, these guys, these guys, whatever happened in the past, and I, I don't even touch on that because that's none of my business. It's it, 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 yeah. it, whatever happened, happened. Those people are no longer there. The company has moved forward. And I can just tell you this, if they are aligning themselves with me for the next six years, um, and I'm aligning myself with them for the next six years, it tells you where everybody's at. I think that says a lot without, without question. So listen, mo moving on from, you know, the politics, uh, what do you think of the Naganu fight? Uh, you know, I didn't I, see it. There's a couple times I see the, the UFC fighters and I see, you know, fighting, you know, Jake and Logan Paul and stuff like that. And I, you know, the, the marketing guy of me, I, you know, I understand 
enough about fighting. I grew up in it. You know, I, I was going to the big fights from when I was three years old. You know, it, there's pictures of me. I still have a bowl cut. So I understand, you know, boxing is a different game than mixed martial arts and MMA and then the octagon. And the I, I feel like there's a lot of people that don't understand that. So when I watch some of these guys, these great legendary MMA fighters go get their ass kicked in a boxing ring, I'm just like, oh, it's it, it's got to be tough. The You know, and I understand there's some issues maybe with Nuganu in the past, but like, that was sort of interesting because he was maybe the first guy, uh, maybe Connor a little bit, uh, you know, against Mayweather, but the first guy that actually was like, holy crap, he almost took out the heavyweight champion of the world. Like that, uh, what do you think of it? I didn't see the fight, but the fact that he went 10 rounds with Tyson Fury is crazy. So if you look at, he just went 10 rounds with Tyson Fury. Connor made it nine or 10 with Floyd. Uh, Anthony Pettis just beat Roy Jones Jr. I know Roy's freaking 60 years old or whatever, but I mean, I, I don't know what the hell is going on. It's crazy. I, uh, I, I didn't see the fight, but the fact that he went 10 rounds is unbelievable. What, what do you think of, generally speaking, some of the guys, you know, again, they're cycling out of USC, then they do the boxing. And now I think we all understand, hey, uh, you know, there's a there's a huge payday for them. Uh, that makes, a, you know, obviously a lot of sense for a, a fighter that's retiring that, you know, may not have you know, a, a bunch of skill sets if they can put up a seven-figure thing to show up. You know, what What do you think? Did, did it hurt UFC? Do you care? Does it matter? What, what are your no. thoughts on it no, generally? I, no, I, I don't care. Listen, th- these guys, at some point, everybody's going to move on, and, yeah. and everybody has to do what's right for them and, and make money for their families. So, you know, whatever they got to do, they got to do. Do you think boxing is, you know, too broken to you know, regain what it once was, you know, a couple decades ago. I mean, I, I remember the, it was the biggest thing, you know, there, there was nothing like it. You know, a, a heavyweight championship of the world fight was like the Super Bowl. Um, these days, and listen, I, I think, you know, Dante Wilder and Tyson Fury, these guys have actually, you know, instilled and injected quite a bit of life to it. There's some good storylines, things you wouldn't expect. Again, you put Tyson Fury next to Wilder, you know, how is it even possible that they, they, they could compete? And yet, you know, an amazing fighter, but... Uh, do, you, do you think that boxing got too broken when, you know, you, you'd go there and you knew if it went to a decision, whoever had the bigger manager, whoever had Don King was going to win. It didn't matter. Like, I'd, I've been to these fights, you know, I'm sitting next to, you know, Lennox Lewis, three other professional fighters, you know, so I, I can score a boxing match and I'm sitting there and be like, I'm pretty much in tune with what these guys, the best in the world are. And then, you know, and the, the, the you know, scores are coming in and it's exactly the opposite. And you knew it was bullshit and everyone's pissed off. Do you think it can make a comeback? It's interesting because, uh, you know, the, uh, first of all, when you talk about how broken it is, the fact that this fight this week and is more talked about than a Crawford fight is, is crazy. Yeah. So and, and, and some of these influencer fights are bigger than, you know, or talked about or, 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 or more buzz about than some of these real fights uh, in, in the boxing business just shows you how truly broken it really is. But. On the flip side, you know, you got a kid like Ryan Garcia who can actually fight, and he was built on the internet. You know what I mean? This kid yeah. was built on the internet. And then you have a fight like him and Davis, which, you know, not only created a ton of buzz and got a lot of pay-per-view buys, but the younger generation was actually into it. So I think you're always going to have these these one-off fights that, that, that we're going to – it's just boxing as a business is absolutely and totally broken. Is that something you think you could fix? Would you ever get involved, or is it do you just have too much on your plate, you know, with UFC? Yeah, I, I mean, every time I get on the phone with one of these boxing guys, I go, "What the fuck am I doing? Am I on my am I out of my mind? <laughs> these guys are all horrible to deal with." And and uh, yeah, I don't know. Now, it, it, I mean, it, could some of that be because just I mean, it, when you see the guys, the UFC guys, that go to boxing and whatever it is, I mean, you know, there, there's still a different sort of pay structure in boxing. Is that aspect of it? There's just too much money that it's broken that it sort of just lends itself to the corruption. Yeah. There's not, there's no real control, right? Well, it's, it's not, just it's not even the corruption. You can't build a business off it. I yeah. mean, the, the, the key to having something is building a business. When you talk about the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, they took football, basketball, and baseball, and created a business out of it. That's what we did with fighting, and yeah. it just can't be done with boxing. It's just it's too crazy. So yeah, you you, you can get a couple of guys. You'll get some some dudes who. <laughs> could care less whether they make money or not. They just want to be involved in the thing and, and, and put on these fights. And, you know, 
that's been happening for a long time. These it's it's crazy, but these people pop up all the time because the fight business is so attractive. It's so, you know, you got a lot of these guys that do boring shit. Yeah. They make a lot of money, but what they do isn't sexy or whatever. They they want to get involved in the fight business. And you know, they they don't care if they make money or not. What was it like I, promoting I get into this thing to build a business? Yeah, but you, you did pro, you, you co-promoted McGregor Mayweather, right? Like, how was that? Uh, you know, what, what was that experience like doing doing it out there? Because you did step out of your typical role. I guess you had Connor, so it's a little uh, maybe a combination. You know, are there any other UFC fighters that you could see actually, you know, kind of making that transition and, and succeeding in the world of boxing? It's a possibility because that was actually built organically by the fans and the media. It became a fight that people wanted to see yeah. and everywhere I went people would go oh, is that fight can happen is that fight can happen and then it just all sort of came together yeah and uh we went on that world tour it was fucking awesome I mean that was such a cool thing to be a part of at that time we had a blast doing it and and the fight did really well and and uh those guys those guys made some money so you know obviously we're on rumble uh and you brought up and created you know, power slap. You know, how did how did that? And, and by the way, it's it's actually incredible, and it's totally made for the moment where everything's a, a you know a fifteen second clip on you know the gram or whatever it is. But you know, how did that idea come about, and why do you sort of partner with you know Chris Pavlovsky over at Rumble with it? So I um, I st- in like seventeen, I started to see these things popping up on my on my uh, social media, the slapping. And I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. So I looked into it. It's coming out of Russia and Poland and places like that. And I, I took a deeper dive. I started to look on YouTube. And, and you had this th- this video that looked like it was shot on a flip phone, looked like it was in a barn, and they were slapping over a barrel. And this thing had 350 million views. And I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> There's so a business here. Thinking, what, would, you know, what would happen if I did this and did it the right way? And the answer? is billions of views. That's the answer. So if you took the NFL, Major League Baseball, uh, the NBA, the NHL, um, the UFC, the WWE, NASCAR, Formula One, PGA, you combine all their numbers together and multiply them by four, Power Slap does, does higher numbers on social media. The thing is an absolute juggernaut on social media. And we've actually turned it into a really fun live event it does well streaming, and we've actually turned this into a very real business. Well, what's next for that one? So next year, we're going to – oh, by the way, we just launched our, our mobile game. We broke every record in the mobile game business with Power right. Slap. Huh. We beat everything. Um, so, so next, we are, uh, we're getting sanctioned in more states going into next year. We'll have five or six more states sanctioned, and we'll start traveling this thing around and, and uh, bringing it to different states, different cities. So what, what's it like having arguably probably every celebrity on the planet blowing you up and asking for tickets every Saturday night? <laughs> How annoying <laughs> yeah. does that get? <laughs> uh, the ticket business is a crazy one. Um, you know, but it's fun. I mean, once you get everybody dialed in and you get to the event and everything starts rolling, the buzz, the energy, it's its the best. There's no doubt about it. Tickets are the worst part. It's like its like, its like, like seating at a wedding every Saturday. You know how you try to see people at the wedding and you're like, you can't have these people next to these people because they don't like each other. And, oh, if this guy sitting in this seat, he's going to be offended. If this, It's just every every Saturday it's a shit show. So, so who are the coolest celebs that you've met in that role, and who are the biggest pains in the asses? If you can, if you can tell us the names, because I know that you got to be dealing with some serious characters. That's that's a good question. Uh, I'm, I, I would say, uh, I mean, I, I, I haven't had a bad experience with, with any of the celebs because if you're a douchebag, I don't care who you think you are. I, 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 I don't play that shit. So, yeah. Um, but probably one of the funniest was. Uh, Remember the remember the band LMFAO? Yeah, yeah, like so they you know they too sexy or whatever. My kids like yeah. <laughs> so to be fair to them, you know, it's probably their manager or their agent, whoever, calling here, acting like a absolute clown, and basically saying, yeah, LMFAO 
you know, they need to be in the front row. And I don't mean the front row in the end, the front row in the middle and, and all this crazy shit. Yeah, I ended up saying, yeah, LMFAO. Get, <laughs> get lost. Beat it. It, it, it. We're not giving you tickets. So that was probably right here, right now. That was the, uh, the one that stands out the most. Yeah, well, and that's probably true. I mean, you, you, the management is probably often worse than the actual people themselves because they think they're they think they're the same, and they're not. You know, they they don't understand their 100%. role in this situation. And and some of these a- agents and managers are the most annoying douchebags on planet Earth. Yeah. Who do you think's the best pound for pound fighter in the world right now? Yeah, I mean, obviously you had an interesting weekend. You know, last weekend, you know, a couple guys that. Would have certainly been in the list, but they got called up sort of, you know, let's call it 11 days before a fight to fight, uh, you know, for the championship in their weight classes. Um, you know, I, I don't know, you know, maybe uh, always tough, right? They take the fight, they want to fight, they, you know, but it's hard. How do you chain, what happens there in, in terms of the standings? You know, what do you think happens? That was Usman, sorry, uh, who came up. And, you know, what do you think changes in terms of the pound for pound guys right now? The best fighter in the world and the best fighter ever is John Jones. John Jones is the best fighter ever. And, you know, I, I know this will make a, a lot of people crazy. Uh, but when you think about who really is the best fighter in the world, period, not boxing, not whatever, who is the best? You put two guys in a room, you lock the doors, and who walks out? It's John Jones every time. I think John Jones is probably the greatest combat sports athlete of all time yeah i guess that's interesting right when they, when they talk about and you know people always make the boxing comparison but the reality is yeah in a street fight in, in a bar fight no one in their right minds ever choosing uh you know the boxer even if they're the heavyweight championship uh, you know heavyweight champion of the world relative to you know a, a guy that fights in a cage in all sorts of positions i agree how how was the evolution of that, right? I remember, you know, early UFC, you'd, you'd see, you know, someone would get hurt and you'd be able to go to, you know, the local co- collegiate wrestling program, pull a guy, say, congratulations, try punching him in the face and see what happens. And like, you actually found some stars, you you had some success. You know, how'd that evolution uh, change now uh, to where, you know, everyone's so good at everything, uh, you, you don't have that. I mean, is there a style that's sort of, you know, more important to be focused on for these guys, uh, you know, as everyone's matured in their fighting style? Well, listen, at the end of the day, you need a little piece of everything. But wrestling has been a very strong base for a lot of the best fighters in the world. Um, you know, if you have some wrestling, some good stand up and a great chin, you know what I mean? Uh, you can go far. Yeah. What, what, how are all these great guys coming out of Dagestan? What, what's special about it? Is it just that they're wrestling with bears from the age of three that, I mean, it, it's pretty amazing. I mean, the, you know, a, a rather small region of the world is producing a, a very undue amount. You know, it, is it just, hey, they're tougher. You know, American kids are, you know, brought up and as tough as they can be and as tough as they can get, you know, the, there's some helicoptering or coddling or the, the, is it just different over there? I've never been. So I'm sort of curious, how is it that they're creating, uh, you know, these machines? I, I agree with you. They're just built different over there. They're, they're raised differently. Um, they're just a tougher group of people. That's why I yeah. keep talking about the pussification of yeah. America. Uh Habib's crew could come over here and probably wipe out half the country. Um, <laughs> you know, um, th- th- but yes, they're built differently over there. What, what's their training camp like? I mean, obviously they're, they're training in the U.S. a lot and they're, they're coming over here and doing it. I mean, is it, is it a work ethic thing or is it just, you know, by nature at this point, they're just tougher? Well, it's definitely a tougher and a work, uh, you know, a, a work ethic thing. Plus, if you look at where they're from, tough terrain, you know, not a lot of money over there. They live in the mountains, snow, cold, you know, all the elements. And, uh, you know, they just grow up much, much harder and tougher than we are. Yeah, Mentally, you, you, physically, every other way. You see that with like Khabib, like 
you know, obviously he's worth millions of dollars now, but it doesn't actually seem like it's changed the way they actually want to live, right? They're not living in penthouses in so Vegas true. trying to get there. They're perfectly fine still being, you know, in, in, in Dagestan and yeah. training the next level yeah. of fighters. It's just they're born to fight, they're bred to fight, they live to fight, and that, that's what they want to do. 100%. You don't see any of those guys moving to Beverly Hills or, you know, or, 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 or you know, anywhere in the United States. Yeah, they are absolutely a different breed. Who are who are some of the up and comers that you see? Because you know it's interesting about that. You know, you, you compare that to a Connor for the, for UFC as a business. You know, you need a little bit of that flash and the and the shit talk. I mean, some of the, you know, I'm here to fight. I'm done fighting. We go back. I don't want to do interviews. I don't want to be on camera. It's just not their thing. Which you know, I I can clearly respect it when you're growing a business. I mean, what you guys were able to do with Connor, who was a legit great champion as well, but. You know, in the end, didn't fare com perhaps compared to some of those guys. You know, how do you balance that, right? You see that in like you know other sports. You know, if if the LPGA is dominated by a certain you know that don't have the personality, it's hard to create you know a momentum around a sport that perhaps doesn't have a tiger. You know, what what can you do, or what do you try to do to create that happy medium of you know of the storyline, right? It's you're not the WWE, but the storyline didn't hurt, right? Connor became a legend. Not just because he was a good fighter, he could back that up, but because the shit talk was incredible and it, it, it allowed for things to go viral. It, it brought attention. It sold uh, pay-per-views. Yeah, listen, if you can find a guy that's like Conor McGregor or Ronda Rousey or, or, or some of these people with unbelievable amounts of charisma, it's a home run. Yeah. But at the end of the day, all I'm looking for is who's the best. Yeah. Who is the best? As long as you are the best, People will always be attracted to watching <clears throat> the best fighter in the world fight. Um, but if you get all those other things, it's just, it's a home run, you know, and, and, and it transcends the sport into other, you know, parts of the world and, and, and into uh, pop culture and all these other things. But you can't always have one of those. This, this isn't the WWE. We can't write lines for them. They're not actors. They are who they are. And it's my job to make you give a shit one way or the other about whoever they are. So you, you guys don't, you don't work with any of them to be like, hey, if you did it a little bit differently, you could promote this better? Or, or do they just sort of you know, let them, Never. some of them figure it out? Know, Colby's got a great line of shit, right? He's, you know, he backs it up in the ring. He's a great fighter. Uh, you know, and he's created a, a brand around, you know, Trump. I remember he did one of the press conferences. You know, he's reading my book at the press conference, like ignoring everything else. It was just sort of, it, it's funny, but he, he, he got a great following because of it. But, you know, yeah, you, you do need the happy medium. You can't just talk shit and get your ass kicked every time, right? A hundred percent. At the end of the day, you have to be really good. And then whatever you are from there, I'll work with. Any any fighters that people should be looking out for that you're sort of seeing on your radar that really have that potential to be, you know, an Usman, a Khabib, or, you know, one of those kind of guys? Well, I mean, if you look right now at, um, at what's going on with uh, Hamzat Shemaev, I mean, this guy's turning into a into a massive star. Um, we got a kid named uh, Shavkat Rachmanov, who is a bad dude, you know, and right now he's ranked number five in the welterweight division. You know, we'll, we'll see what he ends up doing. Um, you know, we, we, we've got some women coming up right now, a woman named Aaron Blanchfield out of New Jersey, who is, is exciting and fun to watch. So yeah, there, there's always somebody, you know, I, I do the show called the Contender Series. Yep. And we do 10 weeks of fights. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm finding a lot of talent from around the world right now on, on that show. That's great. Yeah, the, the, talk about the, the female UFC thing. I mean, I know, you know, initially that took a little bit of a, a ramp up. I think Ronda Rousey probably, you know, brought that to a whole new level. But, like, you know, there are dudes that I know that are you know, serious fight fans that are actually really paying attention to that stuff right now. It, it's it's not a novelty anymore, man. These, these women are badasses. No doubt about it. Weili Zhang is one of the baddest human beings on the planet forget about women uh you know out of china and uh you know you got Mackenzie dern you got uh, macy barber and you know a, a whole group of women now that are coming up that are that are fun to watch and super talented and so technical it's 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 awesome that's awesome well you know before we wrap up you know any other any of the big fight cards that you you have out coming in the next couple of weeks that you want to talk about or promote that are sort of unusual 
Well, I'm going to be in New York City. You know, I'm going to be in New York City here uh, uh, on, uh, what's the date? On November 11th, I'll yep. be in New York City. And uh, the Prohaska Pereira fight is going to be ridiculous. And the uh, the Aspinall uh, Pavlovich fight, the heavyweights, should be great too. So we got a stacked good card coming into New York. The Madison Square Garden is always fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Awesome, man. Well, Dana, I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for the time. Uh, thank you for the support. Most importantly, thank you for the friendship. Uh, you, you've been awesome. And uh, ho- hopefully that, uh, that, that it feels like it's mutual when we talk about the Absolutely. loyalty that way. But I uh, look forward to seeing you soon. I, no I promise I won't bother you for tickets anytime soon. Whenever you need tickets, brother, you got them. And thanks for having me. My pleasure, man. Good talking to you. Guys, that was awesome. Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, make sure you're liking, sharing, subscribing, downloading the Rumble app so that you can see when this comes out. Also, make sure that you take the time. If you get your podcasts on Spotify or otherwise, Triggered is there. We'll put it up a day or so after the episodes, but you can catch all the other episodes on there. So if you're driving, enjoying your weekend, whatever it may be, you can listen along. And also, guys, make sure to go check out our great friends and sponsors at Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. You're going to have a cell phone in your pocket. Okay, you're going to do it. So do it with someone who shares your values, with someone who gives back to the causes that you believe in, rather than woke corporate who's giving back to the causes that hate you. It's sort of a no-brainer, folks. They literally donate a portion of every dollar to groups that support the things that you believe in. The First Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, sanctity of life, protecting our brave police and first responders, winning and fighting school board battles so that you don't have woke lunatics indoctrinating your children. So for fast, free activation, go to patriotmobile.com slash triggered. That's patriotmobile.com slash triggered. Also check out our newest sponsor, Constitution Wealth, the Patriot's Choice in Wealth Management, guys. You don't want your retirement savings being decided by people who are there because they check a couple boxes and not because they're competent. You don't want to be invested in ESG and DEI garbage. That's a way to fail. Now, more than ever, it's time to align your investments with your values and reduce your dependence and investments in ESG and DEI. It means fighting the culture wars with your battles and helping build the parallel economy by working with investment firms comprised of professionals who are patriots like you. At Constitution Wealth, you'll work with an advisor who shares your values, and that's the key. You'll work with someone. You'll have the conversation. You'll be empowered to make financial decisions to protect you and your family without having to sacrifice your beliefs. So go to constitutionwealth.com slash Don Jr. Constitutionwealth.com slash D-O-N-J-R and sign up for a free consultation today. Learn, educate yourself. It's free. Do it and learn. Guys, thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.